I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. They, they just gatekeep knowledge, you know? They're, they're to total masters of deception. They manipulate everything. You know, these, these pricks at the helm have lied to us. It's... I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. They're, they're setting it up for the Great Deception. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all revolves around the Great Deception. Yeah, right? it, bingo. And L.A. and I talked about that. I said, L.A., is this the Great Deception? And he didn't hesitate. He said, absolutely. I never used to question before, and now I question everything. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. The world needs a wake-up call. And welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Thanks for joining me. We have an interesting one tonight. This was going to be one where I just read you an article uh, that I found, an interesting article that I found. And then after I read the article, I dug into it more. And this story is pretty cool and pretty interesting. And I found a bunch more stuff on it. So we're going to dive a little deeper into it. And what it is, it's the lost city of the monkey god. And some of you might have heard this on uh, Rogan, I think, talked about it a while back. And uh, some other people have talked about it, too. But I dug into it a little bit, and it's an interesting story. And it just shows you what's coming ahead, what's going to be unveiled in the future here, in the near future, hopefully. Before we get to that, though, patrons, Zoom call. St. Patty's Day, March 17th, Friday. We're going to have our patron-only Zoom call. So if you want to be a part of the call, go to patreon.com slash the great deception podcast. Guys, over there, I'm sharing a lot of uh, World's Fair books right now from the 1800s and early 1900s. There's a lot of good material over there. If you have any interest in that, go check those out. You get all the Monday Night Master Debater video episodes over there, as well as all of the Great Deception podcast episodes. So, uh, and you'll get videos for all that. So go hop on the Patreon. We will be meeting in two weeks, it appears. So looking forward to that. That's always fun. Great conversations on there. People bring their own stuff. We end up, you know, free for all. It's all over the place and it's a lot of fun so hop on board now that we got that out of the way let's talk about some other stuff guys if you're interested in merch you can go into the link below in the show notes and check it out we got great t-shirts sweatshirts mugs all that fun stuff go check it out and help support the show because we need it. <laughs> no, uh, you know, we put a, I put a lot of effort into this and uh, I hope you guys like it. T-shirts are cool. It's a good way to get the name out there. Ask pe people asking questions. Um, I wear it at the gym all the time and love when people are, what is that? Oh, it's a podcast I do. Oh, you do a podcast? Yeah. You know, and, and, and gets the conversations going. Now, do we go real deep with them? No, you got to be gentle in the beginning. Be easy on them. But give them little, just a little nudge in the brain. Get it going. Get it, get it, get the mouse rolling in his little wheel. 
But guys, when I, uh, I found this article talking about the lost city of the monkey God, and I'm like, oh, this sounds like an Indiana Jones episode, you know, something like that, or like Indiana Jones meets King Kong and, you know, the Skull Island shit. And when I start looking into it, I'm like, oh, this is Honduras. This is modern day. And this is pretty believable. Now, when you start looking into it, they'll have you believe that it's like this, you know, forbidden area. Now, we're talking in as of early 2010s, right? 2010, 2015. This area has over a thousand square miles that have been untouched by researchers, uh, archaeologists, you know, science community has not been investigated this land. So what's there? That's what this is all about. Are there hidden cities? And we've seen this before. If you look in, in some of the jungles, now the game changer is technology. Because now with modern technology, we can do things that we weren't able to do before. And that's one of the things that turned the tide in this um situation here this story it made it go from a century's worth of is this a myth is this just you know folklore to oh no this is real there were thousands of people this was an ancient civilization that has been swallowed up by the jungle so one of the things let's uh, and and so before we even get started, I want to play you this because this is this will pique your interest as to what we're talking about here. And this, oh, just to preface this, this is Theodore Mord, and he is a late late eighteen hundreds, early or not early, but nineteen hundreds explorer, and one of those guys that's, you know, I think he really wanted to be Indiana Jones, but he was. He never really could land that big thing. Everything always. And then at the end, his life just fell apart. So he ended up being a train wreck at the end. Um, a couple of the guys he associated with were known frauds. So it's not a, not a good ending for Mr. Mord. But he got a lot of people thinking. And he was telling this fantastic tale that we'll hear right here. All right, this is Theodore Mord, and this is uh, on the radio in about the 1940s. Theodore Mord and Lawrence C. Brown. And during the media frenzy that followed, Mord gave a radio interview in New York on September 10th, one which changed the legend forever. I have just returned from the discovery of a lost city. We went to the region of Honduras that had never been explored. We spent weeks poling tediously up tangled jungle streams. When we could go no further, we started hacking a path through the jungle. Just as we were about to give up, I saw from the top of a small cliff something that made me stop in my tracks. It was the wall of a city, the lost city of the monkey god. I couldn't tell how large the city was, but I know it extended far into the jungle, and probably 30,000 people once lived there. But that was 2,000 years ago. All that was left were those mounds of earth covering crumbled walls where houses once stood, and stone foundations of what may have been majestic temples. I remembered an ancient legend told to us by the Indians. It said that in the lost city, a gigantic statue of a monkey was worshipped as a god. I saw a great jungle-covered mound, which, when someday we can excavate it, I believe may reveal this monkey deity. Maud goes on to describe the innumerable carvings of monkeys he found throughout the region along with native legends of half-man, half-ape hybrids living out in the wilderness. 
refusing to reveal the location of the city for fear of looting. So we hear Mord's tale there. Is it just a myth? Or did he really find this stuff? Did he fabricate this story? Or is it something in between? And that's usually where we find. We, we usually find there's a bit of truth to this, but then it's fabricated and blown out of proportion and made really fantastical to try and draw attention to it. And then as we start peeling back the onion, you start seeing, well, it wasn't as crazy as one person said, but it's not as simple as the other side said either. And that's where we run into right here. So before we get into the story too much, what I want to do is I want to share this article that uh, I found that kind of started this all. And it's called The Ancient City of the Monkey God, Amaz uh, Amazon Lost City Discovered. Now, Honduras, okay, Central America. I hope most of you know where Central America is. It's below America, below Mexico, above South America. And this area to this day, okay, it's about it's about 20 to 30,000 square miles, but about a thousand square miles of it is still, you know, uninspected, un uninhabitable. Well, not uninhabitable. It just hasn't been examined yet. So we're going to look at the lost city discoveries in the Amazon jungle of Honduras. For hundreds of years, explorers have tried to locate the ancient lost city of the monkey god. In the last few years, researchers and professionals have not only discovered its location, but also traveled into the Amazon to uncover its secrets. You might think the story has ended, but it has only begun. The professionals and filming crew had abandoned the ruins due to a curse. The city, city is still very much unexplored. This is a true story about the discovery of the city, uh, ancient city of the monkey god. Because of the modern day discoveries, the city has been renamed the city of the jaguar. Again, just manipulation, little little changes here and there. Um, originally, though, uh, it was La Ciudad Blanca, which is the white city. It's another name for the lost city of the monkey god. Spanish explorers named it that due to its uh, legends of the city built of white stones. Spanish conquistador Hernan Cortez reported that he believed the stories were trustworthy from towns and people of the villages in the area. As we know, Cortez did not find the white city, La Ciudad Blanca, and his efforts ended in failure. Side note, Cortez heard that a rich gold mine was somewhere in the area of the white city. It suggested that the builders of the city also mined the gold. Cortez called the mine El Dorado. There is no claim that Cortez found the lost gold mine. Since Cortez, nothing of the city uh, was mentioned again until 1920 when reports started coming in of a white city discovery deep in the jungle. A local came forward claiming he had found it 25 years before uh, after becoming lost, looking for rubber deposits in the forest, he claimed that he noticed the white stone and uh, stone walls and structures. In 1939, someone claimed to have found the white city of the monkey god, but he did not tell of its location. So many people discarded his claim, and we just heard who that was. That was Mord. Again, in the 1950s, a small group set out to find the famous White City, but they were unsuccessful. It wasn't until the 1990s when an author, an archaeologist, not only wrote a book about the Lost City, but is when modern-day technology like LIDAR uh, was later put to use to locate the ruins in the 2000s. That is when the city of the monkey god really started to take its uh, place in modern day history. During this decade, <clears throat> excuse me, it has also been renamed the lost city of the jaguar. This site has more names than I can remember. This uh, also tells me it is an early state of being understood and discovered. It never fails. Every time I research a new location or legend, I find reports of Spanish conquistadors trying to find it hundreds of years before I get to it. 
I know uh, the behavior of the Spanish, and I know of their intent in earlier days. They wanted to plunder and conquer any significant city they could get their hands on. I take this as an opportunity. The Spanish spent a lot of the manpower and force to find treasures and sites. If the Spanish were onto this lost city, there must have been some extraordinary stories about it. Who built the white city of the monkey god? This question and answer could be one of the greatest mysteries of this story. No one knows. At this point in time, it was built by known civilizations. This seems like a great starting point. If we do not know this part of the story, it leaves tons of questions unanswered. When was the city built? Who built it? Where did they come from? Why was the city abandoned? What happened to the people who left it? I wish I had the answers or even direction to give you as the reader, but I don't. I think if someone uh, was to really bite down and work on this part of the story, many answers would follow. If we knew who the people were before they built the great city or where they went after, that would be a good starting point. But I can't find that information either. The story is getting more and more intriguing. Many times I try to find a lost city treasure mine and more from that information that was left behind. In this case, the city was found without that information prior to discovering its location. That leaves me to think that there's only one thing that could be done to find more data, uncover the city, and conduct full archaeology and anthropology investigation. If we know where the city is located, then that would be the next step. With modern-day technology, I could imagine what could be found with metal detectors, GPR systems, and excavating this area. The Curse of the Lost City, the Monkey God. For hundreds of years, locals have stayed out of this section of the jungle due to urban legends uh, of curses, deaths, and disappearances from people who have ventured into this area looking for the city. Urban legends also speak of disturbing the city and even taking objects out of the city. Out of fear, the city has laid to rest their interest and the jungle claims more and more of its secrets, structures, and artifacts. The acknowledgement of its curse was true or false was unproven until the expedition of uh, 2017 by producers, camera crews, archaeologists, anthropologists, and more. Um, it says the lost city of the monkey is no longer lost. National Geographic published an article in March 2015 telling the story of its discoveries and the team ventures into the Honduran rainforest. Another interesting event happened in 2017 when a producer announced that the documentary called The Lost City of the Monkey God would be released in 2018. The documentary shows and tells of the team's expedition into the jungle and what they found. Not only did the documentary show that the legends are true about a lost city in the jungle, they think that there's much more to be found. The team did not report that they found several artifacts lying on the surface, but more interesting subject was what was in the ground. The team uh, went on to explain that the jungle reclaimed almost all the structures. I personally have seen this in the Yucatan near Chichen Itza. You can see that man-made structures curve the earth in an unnatural way. Dome-shaped hills formed when structures have been buried by natural causes after hundreds and thousands of years. We don't know what is under the ground, but it could possibly be one of the biggest discoveries of our time. As the team of specialists made a base camp and started their refined search, more objects, artifacts, and clues to the city were starting to be uncovered. The same archaeological uh, method was used, as it has been done in many other sites. The specialists started to determine that their findings were somewhat the same as Mesoamerica sites found in Central America. Some of the figures uh, they started to find seemed to be wearing helmets. The helmets are what really caught my attention. The mighty Incas, Aztecs, Mayans, and Toltecs did not have armor made of metal. The question is, who was this civilization is very important one. The estimated date of these objects was placed at 1000 to 1400 AD. The lack of time the officials had at this site due to illnesses makes me wonder if that date is correct. Could this site be older than they think? The cultures from around that time period do not talk about monkey gods with men with helmets. 
I think the site needs a lot more research and studies to be done to uncover the secrets and mysteries of these ancient people. The site could be holding on to untold history that can help us better understand the cultures of Central America. Most of these objects uncovered in a way that uh, could leave the site, but the objects would still be preserved in their natural habitat. Okay. Information of the city of the monkey starts to wither away. National Geographic had more, no more to say in its article uh, than the information in this article. Reports of the expedition going bad started coming from other reports. The documentary was filmed in 2017. It's hard to find on the internet, and I am still today looking for a way to view it. But that didn't stop others from reporting that many of the other team members at the site started to get sick and the team and filming crew left the site. Reports of a sickness to what some call a flesh-eating disease started flooding in. Two members of the team almost lost their lives in a hospital while everyone else was experiencing the same flesh-eating wounds on their bodies. At first, all the team members had hundreds of bug bites on the face, arms, and legs, but that was only the beginning of the disease. Even a month after returning to their homes, the wounds started getting bigger and bigger and even opening up the skin. All the team members had to seek medical help and treatment for a long period of time to stop the disease from imminent death. Since the situation, the site has been abandoned and the study was com uh, has come to a halt. A discovery so grand cannot go on due to the sickness and fear. What does, uh, Where does this leave the White City investigation? Nowhere at this point. It's only been four years since the abandoned city uh, and no new information has been released. Another great story and discovery has gone cold. What happens now? Because professionals and expeditions like this are usually controlled and funded by big organizations, safety measures must be taken. I don't know if any big outfit will venture into this area again. Many people believe that the curse is true and that the curse, this sickness, is what drove the original people who built this city from the area. If this is true, there's a good chance that the sickness has been around for hundreds to thousands of years. So here's his little uh, two cents on it. He goes, I've been studying and following this legend since 2014. This was the time that discoveries were becoming public because of the use of LIDAR. Structures in a massive city were found using LIDAR and modern day software. I have been hunting and researching lost cities for 23 years now, and it's been hard to sit back and patiently wait, knowing the location of the lost city of the monkey god. Sickness or no sickness, there's a buried city that could not only be withholding treasures, but a historical significance that could paint a great picture of lost history. There hasn't been a month that has gone by that I haven't thought about this story. How could I get my team into the area without putting my team's lives in jeopardy? The million-dollar question I've been trying to figure out. There are more cities than the uh, city of the monkey god in this area of Honduras. There have been many reports of lost cities around the city of the monkey god. LIDAR revealed that many of the cities are spread throughout the area, and many suggest that these uh, unknown people live similar to the Mayan people and uh, how modern-day cities are built. A main capital city is surrounded by suburbs, smaller towns, and villages. The Maya live the same way. It's a significant way to design and bring order to a large population of people. I have more confidential information that shows that an organization located many cities around the perimeter of the city of the monkey god. They were enough, uh, there were enough cities and structures found that they were named Target 1, 2, and 3, and so on. I believe there are as many as 14 targets located in, in the vicinity in total. If you are someone who is interested in discovering, okay, so uh, that's a wild story. So this search started in the late 1800s, made it, it kind of ebbed and flowed, right? And then in the 1900s, it makes a comeback. And... You're looking at it and you're like, okay, well, that's interesting. It's going to make a comeback now. And you're wondering why all of a sudden it gets hot in the early 1900s. And when we, we start looking at this area, here here's where 
we're looking at. And, and those of you that are watching, we're looking at a, a section of the northeast Honduras. Okay, and this is the Mesquita Heritage Preserve. And as we look at this area, okay, that's the Rogan clip. Now, here's what I wanted to play for you. This is one take on the area. Severe droughts beset the Yucatan in the 8th century, an area poor in fresh water at the best of times. Increasingly parasitic nobility and commoner alike suffered from malnutrition. Within a generation, all building projects halted. And by 822, the very last inscription is found at Copan. By 850, the royal palace burned. And by 1250, the valley was uninhabited wilderness once more. But what happened to the 25,000 people of this city? Surely they didn't all starve. What happened? They just kind of disappeared. And that's what's so amazing. So this is these are guys, the guys that originally piqued the interest into this idea of the lost city. And this is again, think about this time frame. We're talking early to mid eighteen hundreds, and there were two guys named John Lloyd Stevens and Frederick Catherwood who started this uh, tale of this lost city, this white city this gold city you know the el dorado that cortez was talking about and it didn't stop with them it went on in then there was this guy george gustav hay who was a collector of native american artifacts what does that mean well he would collect and destroy what he wanted and kept or keep certain items locked away and others the public could view one of the guys you would see in a black hat usually okay that's who hay was then you had mord and lawrence brown they were guys who were busy investigating the area you had uh who was the other guy he was um oh what was his name i don't know if i got it but okay then we'll go into the later into the 1900s and you have william duncan strong who was an American anthro uh, archaeologist and anthropologist. And you start seeing these people over and over. There's trips that go down there, but they don't really come back with anything. It's just more stories and lore and things like that. And Strong had this diagram where he believed he was going to find things. It wasn't until we get to a guy by the name of Stephen Elkins and Elkins began his work in the nineties. And it wasn't until about 2012 when the big break happened with him. And what was the big break you ask? Well, it was LIDAR. This is a, a part of the LIDAR survey. We did a little, a little tiny piece of it. Um, and it shows each pixel is a reflection from a leaf or a twig or a branch. And you can then use very powerful computation to rotate it and do all kinds of things to it. So here you see the image is being rotated. It can be rotated another way. And then you can lift off the trees. And if you see underneath, there's a structure. Uh, and the resolution is about one meter, about three feet. If it weren't for the trees, we'd have a resolution of about one centimeter. But anyway, that just shows you how powerful LIDAR is. So this is a view of the valley uh, in LIDAR in false color, um, showing the trees. You can remove the trees. And there are all the archaeological features. And here is a map of the valley. And this is huge. Uh, this ruin covers over a square mile, and you can see the archaeologists have mapped uh, where uh, the pyramids, the canals, uh, terracing roads, and all sorts of things, all sorts of, of 
um, you know, a man-made feature. Guys, look at that. I mean, that whole up and down that valley is populated with structures, with causeways. It's amazing. Amazing. This, uh, in this valley. And here is the center of the area. Uh, that where it says cache is where that the cache of objects were found that you saw the discovery of. Uh, to the right is a pyramid made out of earth. And to the left are plazas. So what he's talking about is in the middle is where it says cash. And then if you look over to the right here, these two red areas, that's the pyramid okay, that he's talking about. And that's, this wasn't, we didn't have the ability to see this because it was swallowed by vegetation. Now with things like LIDAR, we can scan and find, even with LIDAR, look how hard it is to find these. Now, imagine trying to get in there and uncover this. And that's why this place is a place that kills. It has plants that will rip the flesh off your bone. Thorns. It has uh, insects, bugs that carry diseases poisonous venomous snakes and spiders it has spider monkeys it has panthers and jaguars i mean it, this is a death trap and on top of that it's not the most um hospitable terrain either i mean this is deep thick overgrowth so we're talking hundreds of years of growth that you have to get through to get to these places so it is a mission in itself. Let's listen to the rest of this. Various other uh, features. Uh, the entire landscape here has been modified. This is, uh, you know, it's been, it's been dug out, smooth, terraced. Um, it is, it is uh, uh, this, this was indeed a city. Okay. So it was indeed a city. And why? was it hidden for so long well there's there's a lot of reasons one is what well, we've been talking about the terrain itself now the other thing we have to understand about honduras and about this region is this has been a region of instability for a long time honduras became independent in 1821 since 1821 so we're talking 200 years. There has been more than 300 coups, rebellions, civil wars, or outside invasions. Why would that happen? No other reason to, than to retard or stunt the growth of this country. It's been controlled. It's been manipulated all during that time. Uh, artifacts were being, you know, stolen. Sites were being looted. They were being sold on the black market by gangs. They were being sold for drugs. There being there was total corruption in the government, and permission wasn't even granted to people to these areas until recently. So that adds another layer to this but we talk about it now we get into the 1830s that's when we start seeing the exploration beginning and the interest start peaking because now you know and, and we it's interesting because around the 1830s well where else is there a gold rush right out west in san francisco california the california gold rush is right around this so these people have this gold fever around this time and it seems to be worldwide well, the Spanish seem to have gold fever for the last couple hundred years, if we're talking the 1800s. So it fits right in. Now, let's check out this short clip right here on, um, well, no, hold on, before we go there. Now, the other thing that we have to understand about uh, this area right it's it's been under us control well not under us control but it was um in the 1800s 
United Fruit Company came in and started what was called a essentially a banana republic. Okay, Honduras, the making of a banana republic. Now, what is a banana republic? It says it, the phrase neatly conjures up the image of a tropical agrarian country, but its real meaning is sharper. It refers to the fruit companies from the United States that came to exert extraordinary influence over the politics of Honduras and its neighbors. By the end of the 19th century, Americans had grown sick of trying to grow fruit in their own chili country. It was sweeter and cheaper by far to import it instead from the warmer climes of Central America, where bananas and other fruit grow quickly. So much like what they would do with other countries, they go in for the resources. And bananas just so happen to be the resource of choice here in this instance. And so this whole discovery of artifacts is is amazing because think about it you have all this war and unrest all of this lore allure of this lost city of what could be in there the possibility of what if and that's something that fascinates anyone that's interested in history and archaeology is that what if that's what brings out the indiana jones in you the little boy in you that wants to go just discover just go out in the woods and start turning over things and hoping maybe you uncover that hole or uncover that cave that has that relic in there or that lost history. And so we look at it now. This is going to be an explanation from Douglas Preston, okay, who was on, he was the guy who was explaining the LIDAR before. He was on the 2012 mission where they did the LIDAR run. He actually sat in this little plane for six hours, not in a seat because they didn't have seats. He was jammed in the back, but he was so interested in this project. And he's also the guy, uh, I'll give him a little shout out here because he wrote the book, The Lost City of the Monkey God. And I highly recommend the book. It was an interesting read. Um, it's about his his tale into this. Um, so let me get back to it. Okay, here we go. going to use this point we've already marked it as our base location you can roam 10 15 meters from here probe out but i don't want you to go any more than that if at any point you think oh god and this right now is when they the came whistle. back in 2015. and they believe they have found the city says using lidar technology the crew traversed the jungle for nine days well let's not mess around let's just go i know where we are so let's go up let's go up on top of this one and work our way back down that way as they trek through the jungle i mean this is treacherous and they hired uh honduran military to support them there are inscriptions right here there are yes Here's Jackpot. This is where they hit Pater. Yeah, wow, wow, wow. Look at the one that I have. It's a place where they have a bunch of Makates or stools. I saw lots of them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Everybody stop. Back up. Don't touch anything. Don't clear anything, please. Looks like the years are more of a Jaguar. That's what I think of it. Oh, you think so? Are you celebrating tonight? Now we're talking. So that's what they had. So now the city of the monkey god is believed to be located. Now this is 2015, 2016 when they start to actually finally 
on Stephen Elkin's mission start to find some relics. And so this is some of the stuff they start finding. And it's hard to tell whether these are individual pieces. These are pieces of larger structures, but you'll see there's all sorts of faces on these very different. This is Elkins here at the site in 2016. And you see, it's just remnants of something that was there before strewn about the jungle buried. Uh, who knows how deep you can't really tell right there. Again, another face that we've talked about. Over and over again. Another piece of, and I, I, I don't, I hate calling this stuff pottery because I don't, I guess that's would be the classification of it, but it's some sort of art. Again, dual faces on one, one face looking one way, one face looking the other. That brings up the, uh, the Janus idea in my head. But, and again, here's, here's an interesting one because. When I was listening to uh, Doug, Douglas Preston talk about this piece, he said, if you look at the figure in here, his hands are bound. He's naked because uh, his testicles are hanging out. And this may be someone that was being sacrificed, maybe have been a human sacrifice. And this was something to capture their blood. Uh, again, could be a fantastic story, but interesting to hear one of the archaeologists perspective on it and this is that same piece right here on the ground as it's being discovered uncovered this is an aerial view of that same site it's i mean this is just this is amazing stuff uh, to some this may seem really boring but to be able to unlock something th these are thousand plus year old ruins untouched other than by the jungle. And there's a story to be told here. And that's what's so amazing about this is that we're just uncovering the story. So for a hundred years, there was all these myths and legends and now we've proven. Okay. And, th and that's what uh, the first article was talking about. Okay. Now we've proven there's a location. Now we need to go back and start digging in more and finding more about this. And guess what? This is one of thousands, if not tens of thousands of sites across Latin and uh, Central and South America that have been consumed by vegetation. There's such a history to be told. And it's much like a lot in North America that's been swallowed up by the ground, by earthquakes, quote-unquote mud floods right but it's really liquefaction and volcanoes and and eruptions and uh ice melts floods all these things contribute to burying history and now it's time to start digging it back out another relic found at the site i love looking at the inscriptions i mean again you look at the inscriptions and they do have a little bit of a maya aztec feel to it but it's also very different this piece another one that uh preston gave his two cents on this is the vulture and the vulture was very important to mesoamerican culture because it signified not only death but life after death and the resurrection it would it was able to consume the dead but at the same time it could fly high and fly away and so it was kind of the the, the two sides of it this is one of the pe the monkey gods that we talk about again another artifact i'll go back to this monkey god the monkey god's interesting because it kind of has a human body and face and this one there's been some dispute about where it is this may be in india so I don't want anyone to be misled that this is definitely Honduras. This may be in India, but I, I'm still trying to verify it. But I just thought this was a cool, had that mezzo Indian feel to it. Um, again, this is a relic directly from the site. This is that face, um, almost like a bearded man, but cat, right? It has ears on top of its head or horns of some sort. It's... Real interesting. Here's one of the structures. Again, some more art rock carvings. 
I mean, these are thousands of years old. And they were done for a reason. I mean, this this structure amazes me because this is obviously later when you look at, and this is one of the things we may eventually get into it is start looking at some of the Aztec and Maya and their architecture because there's layers to it. And I was actually in Belize and viewed a few Mayan sites. And you could tell that some of the bases of some of the places were much different than the layers up top and that they were two distinct people that built these structures. So there was an initial structure, probably some sort of cataclysm or or destruction. And then there was another layer that the, these people came back and said, okay, we're going to repopulate this area. We're just going to build right on top of it, which if you remember in our ley lines episode and, and all the patrons that have listened to the talks uh, that Brandon, Dave, and I had regarding the uh, electric universe and cathedrals and they tend to build on these sites because there's some energetic value in these sites. And that's likely the case here. Now, is it cursed? Is it a negative energy? I don't know. Is that a lure to keep people out? Quite possibly. But just to see these artifacts that are thousands of years old, again, a vulture, right? Could be a serpent, the, the plume serpent, some would say. And this is a... Uh, rin- rendering of what they thought they would find there again you're seeing artifacts swallowed by the earth they need to be excavated they need to be investigated there's a story to be told here who were these people where did they go i mean we look at the intricacy of some of these areas look how high up this is and yet that this down in the lower right corner here, this little temple complex or structure is pretty big in size as well. I mean, these are just massive complexes. And that's one of the things I was amazed at going to see that uh, I went to Zun and Tunich in Belize and it's just massive and climbing up the stairs. I mean, it's such an awkward climb. There's just, and, and the size of the rocks and the, you could definitely feel there was an energetic difference at these sites. There was a charge to them, even still to this day, where you know half the places in ruins and part of where we went was still in the jungle. Um, they hadn't excavated it all yet. Now, this is uh, Steve Elkins with one of the uh, rock carvings that they found. They came across, which is interesting. They some say it's a uh, like a human or a a figure that's throwing seeds to repopulate, um, fertilize. I don't know. It's interesting. So there's newspaper article, Seek Long Lost City of the Monkey God. And this is from New Bedford, Mass. on April 6th, Theodore Mord, traveler, writer, and ethnologist, will head the third Honduran expedition, which leaves soon to find the lost city of the monkey god. The expedition also plans to study Indian tribes, explore the archaeological sites of the ancient uh, Tortagan sites, and chart the upper reaches of the Wampu River, which has not yet been explored by white men. (laughs) Discovery of the lost city was expected to throw considerable light on the people who inhabited the uh, country a thousand years ago. Uh, Stories of the existence of the city were partly confirmed in 1933 by Captain R. Stuart Murray, an explorer. He said that the natives confirmed the rumors of the presence of a great ruin overrun by dense jungle. Murray uh, uh, also indicated that traces of the ancient uh, Crotagon culture are believed to exist there. Now, again, this article is probably from the 30s or 40s. Um, I just thought it was our buddy Theodore Mord. I thought it was interesting. And him talking about he's going to make his third trip to the jungle. Now, this is from the previous uh, article that we looked and this is one of the confidential maps where he said he knew of the three target zones and that's one of the things that preston talked about in his documentary i believe were the three target zones and how um they did look at some of them and here's some of those 
that they were mentioning um, before. This is that area and some of the spots where they believe there are more things to be uncovered. And so what do we got here? Two, four, it's about eight sites. Again, just another little map. And this is what it looks like, okay? Now, mind you, that's no tiny little river. That's not a little stream like it looks like. That's a river. And look how windy it is. Look at the vegetation. Look how thick that vegetation is. You can't see the floor of the jungle. Think of what that vegetation has swallowed. What stories remain underneath? And that's what I really find interesting about all this is what's underneath. And this is where the LIDAR comes in because it's a game changer. They've, we've already found dozens of pyramids with this. Now, the difference between identifying and being able to go in and actually reach the site, now that's a whole different challenge on a lot of these sites. But we have at least a map to go off of. We know what areas, you know, it's like going out um, with a metal detector. Right? We know the general area where we're going to find something now. What we find in there, who knows? Some of these, with the LIDAR now, though, we saw, we can see the different heights of these buildings and structures. We can see some of the intricacies of it, some of the patterns, some of the old causeways and things like that, that have been consumed by the jungle. And this was the site that he was talking about before. The cache is here in the middle. These pyramids that he was speaking of are right here that are, and this is all buried in jungle, guys, all covered over right now. And just showing the different abilities of LIDAR here. You can see the different levels. You can start taking away. I mean, look at that. Amazing. And from above, it just looks like a sea of green. Just treetops. But this is what lies beneath. And, and for those listening, I highly recommend go over to Spotify. Go over to Patreon and watch this. Um, it's amazing the complexes here i mean you look at the steps building up to these complexes i mean this is city upon the city and there's different build outs it's just amazing what they were able to do and that is all that i have on the lost city of the monkey god now there is so much more to this story because we only know the tip of it right now. So what I recommend to you, if you're interested, go read Doug Preston's book. Go watch. And I'll leave a couple links of a couple videos that I, I watched on it. And I read Preston's book. I've read uh, a couple old articles. And, you know, it's a lot of hearsay right now as to what's really there or what was there. But what they do know is... Oh, actually, you know what? Let's play one more before we leave here. There is a... Oh, no, we did talk about the drought. And um, and again, look at this. This is an interesting picture. This is, remember, we were talking about Banana Republic. This is what I mean. Right? These are the guys working. And uh, it is what it is. But it's really cool that they still... This was in 2016 after the discovery. They decided to put it on a stamp. And they're proud of this. And as they should be. And that's why it's important that the parasites of the American government stay out of these places and stop pillaging the resources just for their benefit. Let and and, and destroying artifacts, destroying old cities, allowing terrorist groups, allowing corrupt groups to pillage and destroy these these places for resources and things like that. We need to stand up for the local people again and start fighting against the machine. It's just ridiculous how, again, 
the hypocrisy of the American government to, you know, call Russia out for war crimes and call other people out for war crimes yet. Man, it, you got to be careful when you point fingers because there's three more pointing back at you. So just keep that in mind with all of these arguments here and discussions that we get into when it comes to this stuff. But fascinating stuff here in Honduras. Guys, throughout this whole area, now this little um, yellow sliver right here, this is Belize. And I think I stayed up somewhere up in here. Um, but a beautiful country, man. You got you ever want to go somewhere nice? Go to Belize. Go to uh stay out of Honduras, though. <laughs> it's pretty nasty right now. But there need to, we need to instill some stability. I mean, that's what the US has done for the last 50, 70, well, more than that, the last 150 years is just try to destabilize this whole region from Mexico all the way down to the tip of South America. And it's criminal what they've tried to do. But at the same time, we see it now. And some of the older history is starting to come to light. And some of these things that were thought of as majestic tales and ancient folklore are now being proven to be realistic and to have actually taken place, which is an amazing thing because we didn't think a lot of this stuff was possible before or likely. And it was just fantasy. But now it's possible there was this white city, this gold city of gold, the El Dorado. How many of those are we going to find? We're not going to find any if we just sit on our ass and do nothing. But we got to go out and, and promote these explorations support these explorations and keep them out of the government's hands. You know, the American government, I mean, that is. Let the, the local people manage it. And that's what's cool about a lot of these artifacts. And last note here, um, like these artifacts that they find, these things, rather than going to the black market, in and I... I Got a little pissed when I heard this, but initially they were set up in the uh, American embassy in Honduras, but then they were handed over to the Honduran government and they were placed in the presidential palace as well as, uh, I believe, the National Museum. But the fact that these artifacts could be bought and sold on the black market by just corrupt people, gangs, criminals, that's that's awful that's something we have to fight against because this is real history and and this is it you can't recreate it and once it's gone it's gone the story is never the same and it can be manipulated so that's why we have to work to preserve this the vulture okay another fun one guys i hope you enjoyed it if you enjoy the show you want to support it, go to down below, like, leave a review on Apple, leave a, uh, a like on Spotify, share the podcast with your friends, family. I mean, that's if you don't want to talk to them anymore, want to really get them upset and really break their brain. And you can go over to Patreon too that's the other way oh and merch we talked about that before go down to the uh, teespring in there and check out the merch but patreon if you want to hop on we will have our call march 17th friday night uh probably about 9 9 30 eastern time go for a couple hours um and look forward to it so lost city of the monkey god the white city go look into it let's see if this is real or just a white man's myth. Guys, stay strong and question everything. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. 
You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. <laughs>